0: Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward.
1: Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. You've heard the saying that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link? Our guest in this episode would like you to consider those words in relation to your feet and ankles. Chris Neville is a physical therapist who's deeply interested in the health and maintenance of those particular areas of the human body. So much so that he chairs a peer group who intensively study the foot and ankle and the best ways to maximize their function. The foot and ankle you see are key links in what's called the kinetic chain. Chris is here to talk about what exactly that is, about the current state of the science in foot and ankle health, both the knowns and unknowns, about some of the primary sources of foot and ankle pain and injury, about the impact of your footwear choices on more than just your fashion sense, and about the best things you can be doing right now to help ensure that your feet and ankles are strong, healthy, and equipped to continue transporting you through life here's our conversation with Chris.
2: So Chris, uh, you chair a special interest group within the American Physical Therapy Association's Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy that focuses specifically on the foot and ankle. Um, Can we start off by just telling me a little bit about how and why uh, that became an area of particular focus to you?
3: Well, me personally, and then also FASIG in general, I can share that FASIG actually has about a almost 25-year uh, history now of orthopedic physical therapists that um, had a keen interest in foot and ankle care themselves and so wanted to increase both their own uh, networking, knowledge, research um, in that topic. And so, so FASIG was formed as a foot and ankle special interest group um, in the orthopedic uh, academy about 25 years ago, and I am the current president, so just about five years now, and I found my way to, to FASIG because of mostly my research work that related to foot and ankle mechanics. So I'm interested in the biomechanics of how our foot moves and the impact of our foot on proximal joints, obviously related to gait and walking and other activities.
2: Where did that come from? I mean, did you did you have uh, uh, physical issues when you were growing up, or injuries, or anything that kind of led you in that direction?
3: You know, I'm not sure that's it. I think it's more of a uh, scientific area. It, 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 what was dri- driving it was actually more scientific. So, so I was a physical therapist. Worked as a physical therapist. Worked a lot on gait retraining and. Um, and walking and returning people to walking following neurological accidents, strokes, uh, traumatic brain injuries, things like that. And then found my way into a PhD program in biomechanics. Um, Actually initially started looking at some knee mechanics, um, but the foot and ankle is, is, is novel, right? In the past, you know, 10, 15 years, there's been somewhat of an explosion, of our ability to better understand foot and ankle joint mechanics. And, and so it wasn't well understood. It wasn't well modeled. Um, and that's improving. And so that's kind of what drew me in. And, um, and the rest is history, I guess. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and we're, and we're going to talk
2: about that. Uh, sort of where where all that uh, that recent interest uh, comes in. Uh, there, there's an old mm-hmm. saying that the uh, uh, that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Um, in the human body, there's an analogous uh, concept of interconnection called the kinetic chain. Can you explain uh, for our audience what the kinetic chain is and what comprises its upper and lower components? I understand there are two different components of that.
3: Yeah, I, I like the analogy. It's, it's, it's interesting, and I think it does apply. Um, so first, I guess, and maybe this will be a bit uh, academic, but I do this for my students as well, and I think it help, it's helpful just to give some context is so the, the, the area of, of study uh, that we refer to as biomechanics is actually split into a couple of different areas of unique uh, study, Mm-hmm. One of them is kinematics, and kinematics relates to movement, right? So joint movement or body movement or things like that, anything that moves that we can see moving. Kinetics, so that, so that's the term kinematics. The term kinetics refers to forces, right? So it refers mm-hmm. to what's interesting about them is they're, they're things you can't see, right? They're usually forces that are due to any type of, of thing. We usually think of Muscle forces or joint forces or things like that. So when two bones touch each other, um, you have joint impact forces. When our muscles contract, they produce forces. Our ligaments pull on things. That's forces. So there's all these internal forces to our musculoskeletal system. But there's also external forces too, right? Like, you know, even wind and resistance and things like that. So any of those forces gets put into the category of kinetics. But it relates to your analogy in that, you know, for us, we we mostly are bipedal walkers, right, upright walking individuals. And so we rely on our lower extremities um, a lot in terms of maintaining our upright stance and stability. Now, in order to do that, we need to put our feet on the floor, when we put our feet on the floor, there's forces that are imparted from our body and our mass in, and then reaction forces from the floor. And so those go through the, the segments within our lower extremities. And so that's kind of what kinetics relates as it relates to a lower kinetic chain commonly is, is in reference to. And so it's, it's forces that come up through our feet right, or reaction forces that come up through our feet, connect to our knees, and then from our knees up to our hip, and then maybe even from our hip up into our upper bodies.
2: So so while while it's not uh, germane to our discussion today, I, I understand that there, there's also an upper kinetic chain. What, is, what does that consist of, Chris?
3: Well, I think you'd probably hear the idea of a lower kinetic chain and upper kinetic chain just related to both sort of legs versus arms or okay. arm and trunk, essentially. So really the lower kinetic chain we refer to more in our mobility of walking and running and things like that, while maybe the upper kinetic chain might be related to reaching or grasping or holding things, and these are, you know, germane to different maybe patient populations as well as athletes or activities or things like that. We might think of uh, a wheelchair-bound individual who has a spinal cord injury. Well, they're very dependent on their upper kinetic chain to use their arms to propel themselves as an example.
2: Well, um, some, some of our listeners might be familiar, might have heard the terms closed chain and open chain uh, related to body movements. Uh,
3: what do those yeah. terms mean? I guess we go back and, and think about this upper and lower again. It, it maybe is that's the clearest context where our upper extremities, our hands, right, we commonly use in an open kinetic chain fashion, meaning that our hand is free to move through space. Right So the distal end, our hand, moves around freely while the proximal end, our shoulder, our trunk, are more more secure, more stable, so essentially they're sort of bound while the hand is free to move when if we think of the lower chain, when you put your foot on the floor, your foot is then stuck on the floor, right mm-hmm. so now it can't move, and, and so it's acting in a closed chain manner. now, what's interesting is we can you know, both our upper extremities and lower extremities, let's take lower extremities as an example, you work in both open and closed chain. So, you know, when your foot is on the floor, for instance, you can squat down and that would be sort of closed chain movement. While if you maybe pick one foot up in the air and kick a ball with it or move it around, then, that's, then your foot is moving in an open chain manner or, the, or that leg is.
2: And as a physical therapist, there are there are exercises and things that you do just to pertain to both of those types of chains, correct?
3: For sure, and and really the reason that's interesting is exactly kinetics. It's because the forces are different in open chain than they are in closed chain, in terms of how your body, your your joints, your muscles react to the forces that you you feel. You know, the maybe a, a clarifying example is. You know, closed chain tends to be much higher forces because now we're dealing with our own body weight, right? We put our feet on the floor, and now we have to hold up and lift our body weight. However, right. open chain, where we swing our foot around and maybe kick a ball, those tend to be maybe faster movements and require accelerations, but lower lower loads, right? A, a soccer ball, for instance, isn't very heavy.
2: What are some of the most common causes of foot and ankle pain and, and issues that you might have with the foot and ankle, and, and what factors typically contribute to, to their occurrence?
3: I mean, we know from epidemiological work, meaning if we just look across the population, um, foot and ankle conditions actually are one of the most common musculoskeletal problems you can have. Um, and really, we can identify that even further by saying plantar fasciitis or heel pain is actually one of the most common and the most common in your foot. Um, and so these are common uh, ailments and injuries that that occur in your foot. Another one is ankle sprains, um, and that's the most common sports related or activity related injury. Um, and so what are these how, why do these injuries or, or conditions exist with with respect to how we use our feet and load our feet and things like that? Well, some of that is is not exactly known even, but but much of it we think relates to some sort of the mechanic some aspect of those injuries is due to the mechanical influences on your foot and ankle. So, this may be shoe wear related, it may be how much time you spend on your feet, the surfaces you stand on, the intrinsic strength of your foot, the, you know, the shape of your foot, all those kind of factors may contribute.
2: Well, it's interesting that you should mention footwear, and I, I want to get back to that uh, a little later on. But, but in the meantime, uh, what are some of the types of things that a physical therapist can do to address some of these issues that you've been talking about?
3: So physical therapists are really um, keenly trained and, and then aware of not only, I guess, your foot and ankle and the problems that can occur within the joints there, but also their potential effect up the chain, right? And we're, we've, we've mm-hmm. talked about this idea of a chain. And, and when we talk about up the chain, so your foot being at the end, well, now we could go proximal to that, to your knee, to your hip and things like that, and see how all your muscles in your lower extremities influence and work together to complete an activity, a task, a functional task, you know, walking, jumping, running, whatever it may be. Um, And then I guess this is maybe another place to identify another term where this idea of a kinetic chain is kind of a a biomechanical or, or a concept of these forces being connected. But there's another there's another term that gets used in physical therapy that's called regional interdependence. And, th- and that term gets used more where we know that there's specific links between, like, for instance, hip pain and knee pain or hip dysfunction and knee dysfunction. And and we know some things about certain um, aspects of each of those joints that we know relate to each other. And that's why these things are called regional interdependence. They're interdependent upon each other. And the foot and ankle is is, is another example of that.
2: Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the keys to, uh, to, to cultivating and maintaining uh, uh, good foot and ankle health. Uh, so first of all, if we, when we talk about good foot and ankle health, what what qualities would constitute a a a healthy foot or a healthy ankle? I mean, are we talking about strength, flexibility? What 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 types of attributes are ideal there?
3: Yeah, well, this is a really um, um, uh, you know critical question and also very timely question right now because we actually are sort of right in the midst of of a lot of discussion and discovery over what is important related to foot and, you know, foot strength in particular. Um, But but to address that question first a little more broadly, um, so what constitutes foot health? Well, you know, I think, again, context-wise, we're a culture anyway that spends much of our time with our feet in shoes um and then we do this from a very young age and and in fact there's a whole or you know an extremely large industry that relates to shoe wear mm-hmm. and so we we as a culture depend on you know sort of our use of shoes for all sorts of things um so foot health i think it's hard to not have it intersect with shoes at some level because mm-hmm. they're so common um but, but I think if we step back a little, ultimately, you have 26 bones and 32 articulations in your foot. So foot health at, at a sort of basic level means that all those joints and all the muscles that, that are used to control those joints have to be functioning in a fairly normal fashion. Now, one of the, the challenges and, and excite, you know, things that's exciting about the foot and ankle is that because there is so much complexity, we don't exactly know what normal looks like either. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I I do, you know, here's an example. I I line our students up in many many times in a class and say, you know, can you line yourselves up from, from having a low medial longitudinal arch, so the inside of your foot, if the inside of your foot looks kind of flat versus if it's really high. And this mm-hmm. is, um, you know, and maybe some people have recognized their own feet in uh, shape, and maybe it's different than someone else's foot that they've seen. Maybe their footprint in the sand looks a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can essentially line people up from low arch to high arch. Now, what's kind of unique about that is that there's actually not much data to suggest that there's any predictive injury risk for anybody, whether you have a low arch or a high arch or anything like that, they're all normal, um, outside of the very, very extremes. There are some very extreme low arches and high arches that do predispose you to certain injuries, but overall the shape of your foot, right, can be lots of different, uh, variations of what really is all normal, um, so the, the foot and ankle can be interesting and challenging for that reason. Is that it's, we don't, you know, there's lots of heterogeneity to normal. Um, but it's, it, you know, we, sh- we should still go back and say that all those joints and muscles that function within your foot um, and ankle, we know they should be functioning normally and without pain. So there's various, you know, conditions and things that can change that to where the joints don't move pain-free or you don't have the muscle control to move your foot well. Um, And we could think of arthritic changes that may occur in certain joints. We can think of muscle diseases that create um, changes in the way in which you can move your foot. Um, And all those would be, you know, clear examples of, of not normal kind of functioning of your foot.
0: A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio.
2: Well, a couple of times you've touched on on footwear, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what role does footwear choice play in foot and ankle health? I mean, some people preach the, uh, the merits of uh, minimalist footwear, and, and there's a the barefoot running has become sort of a thing in and of itself to a certain subset of, uh, of runners, for instance. Uh, in an ideal world, Chris, uh, is, there, is there any uh, sort of conception at this point? What's, what's natural for feet and ankles? I mean, is, is minimalist the best way to go if and, if and when possible in terms of footwear?
3: yeah I mean, and again, these are interesting questions that we we are just beginning to really get clearer answers for or understanding of mm-hmm. um, for sure um there is uh, the group out of Harvard and Dr. Irene Davies that have promoted just the influence of barefoot running and what that does, and what changes occur when you do that and these are reasonable and interesting topics and and observations that we see in data. We know that as a culture, and I mentioned before, we sort of spend a lot of time in footwear. And some of that footwear has, and I think we do know, has an influence on your foot, right, and especially Mm -hmm. long-term. So, you know, and again, the examples would be like high heels or shoes with really narrow or small toe boxes, meaning the front of it, um, the front of your shoe, if your toes don't fit in it, well, that's going to, over time, influence the position and the, the, the function of your toes, for example. And the same thing occurs with your heel, if, you're, if you wear high heels a lot. What the, the, the shoe wear does in terms of influencing the function of your foot is something that we continue to sort of try to understand. Now, we do know that taking your feet out of shoes does have the potential to require you to use muscles right the muscles that control all these joints in your foot differently mm-hmm. now that being said, differently, we don 't have a full understanding of of what that means yet right so in some cases, it may have negative consequences and and really the um, the influence of the sort of trend for barefoot running and minimalist shoes has actually created lots of injuries too. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, so it's not, it's not uncommon for physical therapists to actually be fairly well aware of sort of negative influences of, of barefoot running and things Mm -hmm. like that. But it also may have some positive influences on strength and, and controlling barefoot. So, from
2: everything you've said, it, it does sound like there are a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that are still being explored and, and examined at, at this point. So, in terms of exercise and physical activity, what what types of things can and should individuals do to cultivate foot and ankle health in terms of what's known now, and also to minimize the risk of experiencing pain in the short term and and longer standing issues down the road?
3: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, and again, there is lots being learned. There's lots we don't understand, and there's lots that we do understand that's, that's making managing and treating the foot and ankle sort of exciting. I think there are a few key things. One, I would say dorsiflexion range of motion. So what is that? That's your ability to pick your foot up, like the toe, the front mm-hmm. of your foot, your toes up towards your leg. So that's referred to so lifting your foot up. Like if it's sitting on the floor, if you lift your toes up and leave your heel on the floor, that's referred to as dorsiflexion. And if you point your toes down and lift your heel up, that's referred to as plantar flexion. We know that limited dorsiflexion, a limited range of motion to move into dorsiflexion seems to be linked across actually a number of conditions, whether this is plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendinopathy. Um, So... And why this is, we don't exactly know, but we do know that limited range of motion at your ankle does seem to to be a risk factor related to certain injuries. So um, so maintaining ankle range of motion may be very important. Also very important as we age and that we maintain this range of motion for reasons of even decreasing our risk for falls and balance improvements and things like that. So that's one thing. And then uh, sort of on the other side is, is strength. And I think ankle strength, right, our ability to lift ourselves up on our toes. So can you do a heel rise or lift yourself up on your toes when standing up is, is a measure of strength in the calf muscles or the muscles in, the, in your lower leg. But these muscles interact with your foot and you really need foot strength in order for these muscles to, to be maintained as well. And so that that task, rising up onto your toes, um, is is somewhat of a good uh, both exercise as well as an assessment of just how your lower limb, your leg and your foot, really functions from a strength standpoint. So are a couple of
2: takeaways from what you're saying that, uh, that uh, a physical therapist or, or some other professional should perhaps ideally assess the manner in which someone walks and also should people be taking into consideration the kind of shoe that they wear?
3: I mean, yes, I think both of those things probably are relevant, and I would imagine you know nearly every physical therapist. As well as other medical professionals, usually have some role in assessing those things. Um, whether they influence the specific, you know, condition or ailment or pain that you have, is is maybe something that needs, you know, that could be looked at. But but it's very possible that it does, and and so those should be assessed.
2: I imagine you would probably self-describe as, as as somewhat of a a foot and ankle uh, uh, a nerd, if you will. I mean, you, the, 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 you you do you do find this kind of stuff exciting. So I I wanted to ask you, is there one particular bad habit or abuse of the foot and or ankle that you see happening repeatedly, maybe even trending in society, that kind of really frustrates you, and that you wish that you could like take people aside and say like, don't do that or do this differently?
3: I guess I would pose it sort of two different ways and. And then we've talked about both of them. I suppose one of them is footwear, right? That And there's really lots of trends in footwear and they are mm-hmm. perhaps trends and they do come and go and, um, and, and without any particular trend, like for instance, even minimalist footwear, I mean, there's lots of benefits to it. I think it's actually a really good trend. We're going to learn a lot from it. And, and so that's interesting. Now, you know, sort of uh, totally on the other side, there's, there's trends for really big cushiony shoes too, right? So, and those are kind of interesting. So, so I think all these trends are, are, are helpful and, and interesting to think about. But I think there is something also to, um, you know, we are a society and a culture that spends a lot of time in shoes, right? And we, a lot of time and a lot of focus on shoes. Not all of those shoes are really functional, right? And, in mm-hmm. fact, many of them are not functional at all, right? They're just aesthetic, um, and so i i mean I would say for overall foot health and 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 i guess i'll I'll adopt the uh the foot nerd uh uh position here and say that you know at some level i think they are kind of i mean they bother me a little seeing people in just such um you know non functional footwear for what they're trying to use their feet for um whether this be just walking in a city right um, right or or performing some, uh, you know, hiking or whatever it might be. So, so I think there's that side. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, I would also say the fact that we just don't use our feet a whole lot. I mean, I think we do stick them in shoes. We sort of forget about them um, until there's a problem with them. Um, and that's a pro- you know. And that's that's a I a pet peeve or, or, or to some extent as well, right? Mm-hmm. We know this is a problem even for, you know, it becomes a very serious problem for diabetics and. Um, and people that lose sensation in their feet. And so the fact that we sort of ignore our feet and don't check them and don't recognize, you know, injuries or damage or changes to our feet uh, is actually a problem, right? I've, uh, I've spent a fair bit of my time studying a condition called posterior tibial tendon dysfunction, which causes a collapse of your arch on one foot. Now, I would say many people don't even recognize that that change has occurred, Mm -hmm. right? They recognize that their foot hurts, but they haven't recognized that a change has occurred in how their foot looks or is shaped or things like that. And again, we have, we kind of ignore our feet, right? We kind of hope that, and we actually put up with even a fair bit of dysfunction and it's sort of okay. And we think it's sort of normal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think all that could be, could be helped with, more attention to foot and ankle care.
2: Well, well, perhaps this isn't exactly what you meant when you when you talked about that we ignore our feet or or we, or we don't we don't use them in in a sense. But uh, but I had, this brought to mind something that I meant to ask you earlier. And the, the the flip side of exercise and physical activity is that many Americans lead lifestyles that are that are frankly, far too sedentary. I mean, overweight and obesity uh, is a major issue in this country. Um, in what ways do inactivity and, and perhaps being overweight or, or, or needing to, to lose some weight contribute to foot and ankle problems?
3: Well, this is a great question for this topic of kinetic change. So I think, one, we've been talking about muscles and strength and joint movement and, and why those things are good and helpful and necessary for your overall foot and ankle function. So, one, being too sedentary, not moving around enough, probably predispose, you know, creates problems such as weakness and losses of range of motion and things like that. Sticking your feet in shoes that are not ideal or too confining or too rigid or things like that may contribute as well. Um, and then on the other side, or on or, or, uh, a similar point, we've been talking about the kinetic chain. so sedentary lifestyles that increase your body mass, um, they create more force, right? So now we have larger mass and we have to carry that mass around and we have to move that mass around. And so that mass gets distributed across the joints of our lower extremity, right? So, and then we we know this is a contributing factor to why we have hip replacements and knee replacements and now ankle replacements, which are increasing at like 300% a year. So, um, So we know that these, you know, these loads across our joints are are significant and have an effect.
2: Ankle replacements, that's a new one on me.
3: Yes, it's a growing trend. It started some 10 years ago, sort of faltered a bit, and you didn't hear about them as much, and now are making a drastic resurgence. And I would say um, if you haven't heard about them, you will likely hear about them shortly because... They are, as I said, depending on regions of the country and things like that. I mean, obviously, these require um, orthopedic foot and ankle fellowship trained surgeons that usually perform these kind of surgeries. But but in, in the areas where they're being performed, they're increasing in numbers at a pretty astronomical rate, actually.
2: Well, Chris, if, if you could give people listening to this podcast just just one piece of uh, a simple advice, something that they could start doing today that would uh, that would improve the outlook for their, their foot and ankle, uh, what would that be?
3: What I'd like to say, although I, I recognize the limitation of sort of prescribing exercise over a podcast, but um, <laughs> but ideally, I mean, we should exercise our feet, right? Just like we maybe should exercise other things or do exercise many of our other joints. So your foot and ankle, you should move around, right? There are exercises you can do. We sort of talked about one earlier where it's sort of rising up and down onto your toes, lifting your heels up. That's an example. There's exercises you can do in your feet as well. Um, Your foot really is constructed with lots of muscles and, and all these joints and these, these function very similar to your hand, Um, so we think of like how functional our hand is to pick things up and move things and manipulate objects. And yet we've lost much of that ability in our foot, but not because it's not there, but because we just don't use it. And so, um, you know, mostly I think the simple answer is staying active, staying Mm -hmm. active, moving your foot and ankle around, um, you know, whether that be walking, um, or other forms of exercise are good too, but also making sure you just kind of, you know, continue to move your toes and your feet out, maybe even outside of shoes. If there's no other reason that, you know, there's a risk to be outside of shoes. Mm-hmm. So I only mm-hmm. say that, I mean, there are some conditions, diabetes, other conditions that you lose sensation in your feet where we do have to be a little concerned about being barefoot or being outside of a shoe. Remember shoes, were originally used and designed to protect our feet, and they do serve that purpose.
2: But, but again, as as you you seem to have said earlier, just uh, just simple things like like walking and 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 being physically active can can be beneficial.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to learn more and more, and have already, and it, I think it will continue. That you know, our the strength within our foot, the strength in our ankle, the joint motion around both our foot and our ankle probably contribute maybe rather significantly to our overall functional ability and health if we put health in the context of, you know, maybe as we get older to prevent falls um, for younger individuals just to make sure they maintain pain-free function of their foot and ankle, all those kind of things.
2: Chris Neville, thank you so much for speaking with us on Move Forward Radio. We really have appreciated your addressing us today.
3: It's been my pleasure. Uh, Anytime we can get the the opportunity to talk foot and ankle and get the word out is a a good thing for everyone, I think.
0: You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com.